This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. We have like two songs in our 95-minute show that weren't hits. And every single night, my heart starts to race before I play them. Because I go, does anyone care? Episode 411, Thomas Rhett. Mike, what'd you think about this? I think this is like the most the artist has ever opened up to you. This is one of the best ones. I think it is the most, like an A-plus list artist has opened up. Yeah. Because a lot of times... They, if they're massive and we sit for an hour, they're very guarded and eventually I can crack it and we get places. But TR's just came in and felt comfortable. And we're doing the interview. I guess we're just talking. Yeah, my brother-in-law is in the room while we were doing this because they were in town. And he had said to me, you have an interesting interview style that I've never seen before. I said, what's that? Because you're just talking, but you have the microphone in your hand down low. And then all of a sudden you just bring it up and it just rolls into the interview. And he said, I think that just makes everybody feel like the conversation is just still going, and now you just pulled a microphone up. Yeah. Because we were talking for a while before we started actually doing it, but he was like, you don't ever do one of those things like, hey, everybody, we're here. Time to do the interview. I think I kind of took a step back at one point, and I just felt like I was listening to just two people just have like this friendly conversation. I was like, oh, wait, we're recording this. This is a podcast. Yeah, I I like Thomas Rhett, and you know, we've definitely had seasons where we hang out a little more or we're together a little more. I hadn't seen him in a while. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty cool that he came over. And again, we did an hour here, over an hour. He's got a new vinyl, 20 number ones that we'll talk about. That comes out September 29th. I thought it was interesting as to why it's not called a greatest hits. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, he's only 33. He's got 20 number one songs. That's crazy. You know, I told him that, that we were making our mind up to move to Nashville, that Eddie and I heard that song, Beer with Jesus. And I could see him be like, oh, yeah, that, that, not that one. Yeah, he's like, ah. <laughs> so it's great. I don't, I don't know what else to say here. I just want to kind of get to it. But he's got a current song that's, you know, by the time you hear this, it could be a number one. It's a top 10 right now. It's called Angels. Uh, here's a little clip in Thomas Rhett's new single, Angels. You should have 
He talked about why that's an unconventional type of love song. So here we go. Thomas Rhett, follow him at Thomas Rhett Akins. Uh, fun fact about Thomas Rhett, if you know him and he's your friend or you just know him, you, nobody calls him Thomas that knows him. You call him Thomas Rhett, just like you'd call uh, Billy Jean, Billy Jean, mm-hmm. that was the name, or you call him TR. But if somebody knows him, they call him, if they don't know him, they call him Thomas. I used to call him Thomas all the time. Be like, what up, Thomas? Hey, Thomas. <laughs> then he's like, hey, that's that. <laughs> you know me now? Thomas Rhett. Got it. Uh, thank you, Thomas Rhett. And here we go with episode 411 of the Bobbycast. My voice is like trash. So if I sound like a horse human, it's because it's... Cause Why? I'm... What were you doing? You at the Taylor Swift show? <laughs> no, dude. Pete, I was at, um, at my own shows this weekend in Texas. And so they ma- started making me these. The bracelets? Very swift. Well, that's... Sure. It's... Very swifty. Now that has become the culture, the concert culture, because Taylor is so big. I know. The concert culture. I did culture, go to the show, though. It was fire. Here? Yeah. The, the, the rainy, The rainy night. When you see a show like that, because anytime I see anything creative, I can, pull, I can be professionally jealous in a positive way. For sure. Because I get it all the time with a couple of my friends. Yeah. But I can also go, what can I implement? I can, be, I can be inspired and jealous at the same time. That's how I felt. What what about that show to you? In like, what did you see that made you jealous? You hadn't done it yet, but you were also inspired by. Well, I was jealous in the fact that I will never be able to afford anything that she had, like on stage. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was a million trap doors. the The video wall itself is the biggest video wall I've ever seen in my life. So jealous in the fact that my set that I have on the road now literally encompassed a fraction of what hers was in that stadium. Inspired, though, that it is possible to put on a three and a half hour performance in a crowd, not get bored. That's what I was so fascinated about, because, I mean, I, my show is like 95 minutes, maybe 100 minutes if I'm really feeling it. And I'm like, have I played too long? And you extremely high energy too. your show. And, I mean, yeah. Obviously, you have points where you're doing your ballads for sure. But it, your show is a show when you, you get off stage. I'm assuming you're tired. I'm whooped. Right. Yeah. It, but I mean, she when she did the whole like. uh folklore section when the whole tree house was being built. I mean, she played what, seven, eight ballads in a row. And I was just so fascinated because just the scenery, everything just kept changing. There was, there was never a moment where something was the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you, it's crazy. It's hard for me to hear audio or watch a comedian because that's just what I'm doing all the time. I'm either telling jokes or working like this. So if I hear audio, I can, I'm always like, okay, I wonder what went into that or how they write that joke. When you're watching her do this show, are you also paying attention to all the things like the set, the piece? And you're like, man, this is – look at the elaborate details they've put into certain aspects of the show. Yeah. Like physically because you're just so involved in it yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we also – like I use the same uh, music director that Taylor does, this guy named David Cook. We started working with them like five years ago. So, I mean, David was working on this Taylor show for like seven months. What does that mean, music director? So, he kind of he kind of comes in and like – if there's a new record coming out and he takes all the stems from the record, all the stems from the old record and makes sure that whatever the band is like not playing, but still needs to be coming through the speakers is like all mixed, all perfect. Uh, perfectionist of like set list transitions. If you're taking like an older hit, but you want to make it sound jazz or you want to make it sound uh, whatever, like he goes in and kind of just redials all the songs. And so he put that three and a half hour Taylor show together. And so like we rehearsed for a month and I feel like we're pretty dialed. I, I can't imagine rehearsing for seven months. But when you see the show, you're like, they were, yeah, they rehearsed for seven months. I think so. 
That is wild. So like the band will do a month and a half. The crew will do a month. Production will do a month. And then they'll do full on everybody for a month. You know what I mean? That show that you were asked, the one that rained, right? Yeah. Re- really hard and she kept playing. Yeah. What's the rule? Not her rule because I guess it all depends on what you have out on the stage. Yeah. What's the rule when you're playing on rain? Obviously, if it lightnings, you're, you got to get off the stage. I think it's like if there's like lightning within eight miles, I think you have to wait 30 minutes. But what about if it's just raining really hard? Like how much of your stuff can actually get ruined? Um, I guess it depends on how much of it is like out in the rain. Because, I mean, festivals, you know, there's a big top or whatever. And even at amphitheaters, you have a, you're covered. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you're getting like directly rained on, I guess your microphone could kind of crap out if it got like really soaking wet but i mean hard rain you can play through it's just wind that gets kind of dicey because well you just don't like want stuff your stuff blowing over or microphone over. yeah got it so literal stuff yeah i mean like over. maybe 10 miles an hour 15 miles an hour is okay but you start getting into like 40 and 50 miles an hour it's kind of sketch have you ever lost equipment because of rain and you're like god dang man now it's, so- it's soaked or do you when it starts raining do you just kind of back up underneath kind of the back up a little bit yeah it's been pretty prevalent the last couple of months where weather has moved or canceled more than i've ever seen it's insane especially like in nashville like i've never experienced this kind of weather in my life but even like we're this is the first summer we've ever done arenas so like we haven't had to worry about that but we did have to cancel a show in bozier city because remember when the windstorm came through nashville and like everybody lost power the same thing happened in bozier city and the building didn't have power that we were supposed to play in for like five days. So it's like, I didn't think it was possible to have to cancel an arena show until this year. So we haven't gotten to, we haven't had an issue with the weather because we're all indoors, but I've seen multiple folks getting rained out, lightninged out, winded out. It's a super weird year for weather. How's, so. how's the arena feel for you? I love it, man. What's the difference for you in an arena and a large amphitheater that holds basically the same amount of people. Arenas are going to be bigger for the most part, but you'll get an okay. Like what's the vibe? What's the, what's the vibe difference? Um, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of people that were like, it's really strange to do an arena tour in the summer because I think everybody, a lot of fans are creatures of habit. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you live in Dallas, like you go to Dos Equis Pavilion, if you or live in Houston, you go to the Woodlands. Go to the Woodlands. Yeah. And so this weekend we played, uh, where the Mavericks play in Dallas. And then we played at the Toyota Center in Houston. And you can kind of tell that like, I think people felt sort of like, what are we doing? Like we, we never come here for these type of shows. Um, but there's something about an arena that like when an arena is packed out, like those people have made a plan in advance to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like they are there. Because they have specific seats too. Specific seats. Right. I think sometimes like in an amp, I mean, a lot of, I mean, everybody plans to come, but it, it could be the day of and you could sell 2,500, 3,000 3, tickets just on the, on the grass. Cause it's something to do outside. Like an arena, an arena tour is a very dedicated like fan thing. That's so. how I feel when I, cause I'll, I'll only do theaters when I do stand up. And sometimes you'll get a place going, Hey, we have a, like a comedy club type situation or a general admission. Yeah. But because I'm so insecure and just, completely unsure of myself i need that person to be in a chair and in the theater focused forward yeah where if they get up and walk out it's going to interrupt everybody so maybe like i won't get up right. like and it's a bit different but it's also the same where like i if they're coming to a theater show there's a dedication of they're here to sit For they sure. got the ticket the time yeah and now they're here yeah 
And so, yeah. Uh, and what I meant, arenas are obviously way bigger than amphitheaters, but there's the occasional amphitheater that's massive. Yeah. And I just wonder what that vibe difference is. One time <laughs> I played an arena, uh, not, not at your capacity because you're a superstar, I'm an idiot, but there's a, it, we were on a stage that was turning a circle the whole time. I got so dizzy. That it's so strange. I, I know, and it was dark and I never knew where I was. Yeah. That's, ever, what, that's what the Houston rodeo does. That, that's, that was, I played the Austin rodeo. Yeah. And the whole <laughs> just, time this, yeah. I did I never knew where I was right. because it was spinning and it was also dark, which yeah. I want it to be dark because then I'm, I get insecure about seats that aren't, that aren't filled and I'm a yeah. whole wreck. But I just remember going, I don't know where I am. Yeah. You ever be on a spinning stage like that? Uh, only at the Houston rodeo. It's, it's a very, it's a, I mean, the rodeo is really cool, but it's like you never, I never really know when to like walk off and like do the thrust thing. Cause when you walk off the thrust, the thrust isn't moving. So when you come back to the stage, your band Everything could be behind is you. Shifted. Your band oh, is like looking man, that way crazy. and you have to kind of like run back around your set. You're like, the hey, thrust you know. doesn't move though. Correct. So you're on the thrust and it's spinning without The stage you. is still spinning without you. <laughs> so you either have to like commit to be out there until your band comes back around or you just have to go find them. That's so, funny. Is yeah. there a difference in how you hear the sound in an arena? Because in a stadium, you can so far sometimes get so far away and even the timing's off just yeah. because you're hearing it. Or is it pretty much the same as anywhere else? It's so like hit or miss. Like I would say that most arenas in the country are strictly for sports. Like some of the newer arenas, like we played the Moody Center this weekend. In Austin. Oh my gosh, dude. It was the most amazing. First of all, the people that that run that place are the my kids were out. They made a whole room for my kids with a bouncy house and like they're just dialed on details. Um, but even just the building itself, you can tell that there's a lot of like the foam padding or whatever, like in the ceiling, but then other arenas, man, it's just, the noise just goes up there and it gets trapped and then it comes right back to you. And it's like it, the rooms can be really boomy, but, but you can really notice like a difference, like at the Mavericks place, like Mark Cuban knew that that place was going to have live music. So they did all the right stuff. And the moment you sing, you never get any feedback at the, the, the sounders does what it's supposed to do. So arenas can be super hit or miss. Amphitheaters are pretty much all the same, man, because the sound just goes and it never comes back. You know what I'm saying? But stadiums are, are it's open, open because there's no. But stadiums are pretty wild because you know, especially like uh, where do the like at the Vikings Field or whatever. Some of those indoor stadiums are so giant and boomy that it's like almost impossible to like have a good in ear performance. Do you ever get annoyed? that you are such a nice guy whenever you're also normal like you're I, like i see you're normal to me you're just you're just a bro a dude right sure. yeah. but you're also a really nice guy but it's you've done a great job at not sticking yourself into i won't even say controversial but conflictual situations yeah. that happens in the town all the time right and it doesn't matter who you are. You have an, you feel a certain way about things. Yeah. And I feel a certain way about things that I don't get in the mix either sometimes for, because I feel like sometimes I only have so many mixes I want to get in. Yeah. And I don't want to get in all of them because yeah. then I'm just the guy in all the mixes. Yeah, for sure. Is that, is that, does it ever feel problematic to you that you're like, man, I just really want to say something about this, but I'm just not going to, cause I'm going to waste it here. Yeah, dude. I mean, my wife and I have conversations about it all the time. Like, I mean, not even just within our, within our genre, but just in the world as a whole, it's like there's things that happen and you're like, man, like what? You know what I mean? But sometimes I just sit there and I go, am I, is, is me adding like my opinion to an already noisy world? Is it really making a difference? 
You know what I'm saying? Like me agreeing with so-and-so about something or me disagreeing with so-and-so about something like, do people want that from me? Do people want me to be a politician? I don't think that they do. And I don't want to be one. And like, I, I, I just this- want to be a dude that sings and is kind. And, and uh, th- th- there are very few things that I'm like going to speak out about just because I'm just like, I've got my own things, but like, what, what does it add? And if it's you know? not one of your primary things, and it, can, sure. it can mean anything. It could even be, I'll take it off anything confrontational, but I'll just say even charitable. Sure. There's a lot of stuff that my wife and I are involved in, but if I am talking about 27 things constantly, For sure. nobody knows any of them. Right. So I've really, even though we're involved in these things, I've really got to pick my two or three things that are the most important to me yeah. that I want to share with the world. Yeah. And focus on those For because sure. if you don't focus on them, you do, there's no focus on anything. Correct. And I think even then you kind of have to be strategic about Dude. what you want others to know about you. Yeah. And even, so good. even dealing with your daughter, even dealing with, yeah. I've seen it with Amy, with, with getting kids from Haiti. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you're doing something great for somebody. For people sure. are still like, why don't you go to America and uh, get dude. a kid? A hundred percent. That we don't get that anymore, but we did. We did a lot I, in the very beginning. I would yeah. go berserk. We did go berserk because it got to a point where you just wanted to go fight everybody. Yeah, and you just can't. Like, hey, all eight thousand y'all, meet me in the parking lot. And it's, it's like, what, like, what, what is that going to do? You know what I'm saying? It, 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 in a different way, it's like, so if I'll do things with animals, and let's say we make a one dollar donation, sure. and they're like, why don't you make a one dollar donation to kids with cancer? And I'm like. It ain't your money. Right. And secondly, what what are you? <laughs> True. I, I, it's just yeah. a, it's a very tough place to be in to be respected and liked. Still, also want to have your voice out there, but to choose yeah. what you want your voice to say. And I just wonder the process of how you guys decide on what that is. Yeah, dude. I mean, me and Lauren still battle it, you know, because like we are super involved in like Lauren's uh, organization called Love One. Like that's. If, if, if both of us had to ditch everything else in the world and we only were going to like Instagram post about one thing, it would be, it would be a loved one because we're both so passionate about that. But I think when, when you are known as a, a philanthropic person or a philanthropic couple, I think everybody kind of thinks that they can kind of like come at you and be like, yo, well, since you posted about that, could you post about this? And if you did that fundraiser, can you come play at this thing? Can you, can you do an, an acoustic thing for this? And all of a sudden it's like you said, when you're talking to everybody, you're talking to no one. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like two quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't yeah, have a good quarterback. For sure. And not that all those things aren't great and not that we wouldn't give like right. money to all of those things. But it's like, when it comes to like, what are we trying to push? What are we trying to represent ourselves on to the world? It's, it's gotta be so kind of slim you know what i'm saying um because i'm one of those people man I, I get involved in too much stuff like i'm sure i don't know if you're the same way but like i love like collaborating i love um making music with other people and if it were up to me i'd put a new song out with somebody different every friday just because i think it's so fun um but at the end of the day it's kind of like you gotta you kind of gotta wait on your big push and your big play because i think you can definitely water down your market by just always just throwing something new and something different at them all the time. You know what I'm saying? Has your thoughts and philosophy on how much music and how often to release music changed over the last three years? Yeah. Yes, but I feel like I'm not following the trend in the way that I should, 
What's the trend and how do you follow it differently than the trend? Um, man, I've put a record out every other year since I was 21 years old, you know? And I think like the last couple of records, um, as proud of them as I am, I feel like there, there have been moments where it's been like, we just need to keep writing because we got to keep keeping up. And then you put a record out and there might've been like a song that did a thing, but the rest of the record like wasn't really ready. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I've been working on a new record for the last six months and I don't have a date yet. You know what I'm saying? And and I think for a lot of people on the team, it's kind of nerve wracking because I've always just had something in the can to be able to come with if we needed to. But dude, I'm just like for the first time in my life, I'm just watching so much music come out all the time. And it's so like I, I can barely get to the, through the whole New Music Friday country, much less not new even music the Friday. whole New Music Friday. Right. <laughs> like, whole, yeah, right. New Music Friday right. country. You know what I mean? Like I get maybe through the first 10 of them and then I'm like, man, I don't even, I don't even know what's good. You know what I mean? Until the world kind of tells me what is good. I'm not even sure that I know what, what good is anymore. And so I've had to take a big step back from even the music I've been writing. Like I haven't listened to, and this is rare for me, but like when I'm about to start making records, man, I'm, I'm listening to my demos daily, like in the car, in the gym, on the lake with my kids. Um, and I haven't listened to a song of mine in two months because I have to just get so far away from it that when I come back to it for the first real time, I want to be blown away by it rather than like, gosh, I think this is the next record, but I'm sort of like already sick of it. And it's coming out in three months. You know what I'm saying? I would assume that that's already the case with most people, but the, like how you're talking about and the way that you've done it, I could see where that would be amplified. Yeah. If you're not putting it out, like you'd probably like to do, like you said, every week it's something else and something yeah. else that you could quickly be tired of where that season that you're in right then yeah. and be on to something else, but you've already started this project and you're still, you, well, you, you created all this in that season. You can't just let it go. Yeah. And it would have been easy just to put it out then. For sure. So I can see where that is a creative dilemma. But I think I'm still, I'm, I'm still a little bit of the old school mindset of like, if you have a good body of work, at least give it a real chance and, and give it a real plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm not one of those artists that can just like, chunk songs out and hope that they become famous on TikTok. Like, I just don't know that I'm one of those artists that that can happen to. Maybe I could have like a viral song, but like, that's not how I want to release music. Is it because like, you don't know if you're, cause I don't agree with what you're saying about you. I think you don't think you should do it, but I think you're as good as anybody else putting music on TikTok. But, but are you, because the nature of that is you're going to put a bunch of stuff that doesn't work for sure. And so is that part of it too, where you don't want to put a bunch of stuff that, you know, just a numbers game. If you yeah. put out five things, yeah. three and a half or four of them is not going to work. For sure. It's weird, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Hang tight. The Bobby Cast will be right back. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. 
I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. And we're back on the Bobbycast. TikTok's cool to me again for music because it's really what I use it for now. I've used TikTok for a lot of different things through... Again, I'll use the word seasons where it's like funny stuff and then it's like yeah. a lot of golf videos. Yeah. And um, But now I watch and find a lot of great music that I listen to personally. For example, so there's one girl, uh, woman, her name is Jackie Vinson. Yeah. She's from Austin and she's a blues player and she's so good. And it's rare. I'm so jaded. You're jaded too in the way of we just get to be around great people. It's a beautiful jadedness. Sure. We see so much greatness all the time. Yeah. You really got to be different to stand out. To stand out. And I like saw her and I was like, oh my God. Like rarely do I hear or see anything where you're just like, yeah. it just feels different. For sure. And so I, so I started following her. And the cool thing about algorithm, well, the bad thing is they know everything you're doing and they monitor you and big brothers watching and china's god is all that stuff doesn't matter but the good thing is they like know what kind of music you like yeah um last night i'm on and there used to be a group called carmen and it was two people uh mike do you remember carmen it was a guy and the girl Yeah, okay so he was they were a singer and rapper and it was like the 2000s and i saw this girl and her name was like queen something and she's speed rapping like bust like buster rhymes right and i'm like i think that's the woman from Carmen. So I went into it and it was her. Yeah. But without TikTok and me just flipping through and finding this For stuff, sure. I just don't know if I wouldn't be completely bored with music again at this point. Yeah. Because being so jaded by it. Yeah. For what, sure. What if you were to get on your TikTok, what what do you see on yours because of what you're looking at? Can I be very honest with you? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather you not lie unless <laughs> it's a really good lie. I haven't been on social media since January. Oh, that's great. That's even weirder and better than what you would have said. Yeah. Why? Because uh, I'd rather go down that road. Yeah. Um, it was getting to a point where, I mean, it sounds super cliche to say it, but it was just taking up so much of my time. You know what I mean? And I was finding so much of my worth in a post. And like, 
especially since all the algorithm stuff changed, you started to get, you started to be like, man, like I used to post videos and they'd get like a million views, no doubt. And then you start to see this thing of like, okay, my, my views are starting to go down. Does that mean that I am starting to suck more? You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, that's what my brain would tell me. That's what I think that's a bit, I think it's probably everybody for a creative. I think that is absolutely fair. And so, you know, then you would like put songs out and then some people would think they were really cool. And then some people would just hate on them. And then you start to see all the people in our genre, the the bloggers just be like, this is terrible. This is trash. Thomas Rhett music. This is not what he's best at all these kind of things. And so then you start making music out of fear. You start my, my, one of my producers named Julian said, you can't, work out of hit desperation you have to work out of hit inspiration and i think for a while there dude i was working out of hit desperation because i was so terrified of what this genre would think about what i thought was cool that it got to a point where i just wanted to write what i think they think would be cool and there's a lot of predicting going on a lot of predicting of being like well maybe if i write songs that sort of feel like a luke combs thing then these people will kind of think I'm like, okay, again, you know what I'm saying? And maybe if I can do some of this stuff that like Morgan is doing, then maybe this group will think that I, maybe I can fit into that group, but I didn't like get here by ever fitting into a group. You actually did the opposite. I did the complete opposite. And so I started to really not be myself anymore. Just kind of lame to write with, honestly, just vanilla straight down the middle stuff. Okay. What was the bottom for you that, made you go i gotta get up i have to because something had to happen for you to go i gotta make a change in my life yeah dude it was it was it was around christmas time last year and like i kind of go into weird places when i'm off the road because um this feels like a therapy are all your podcasts like therapy sessions like hey buddy i am who i am (laughs) okay i go to a lot of therapy myself so you know maybe same but when i'm off the road is uh is a really challenging time for me because when you're on the road you're getting three straight nights of like dopamine celebration hits. Yes. Love. However you're. Yes, yeah. Yes. And then you come home and I love my children and I love my wife. It is the complete opposite. It's like retractable dopamine. If that makes any sense. I mean, I will leave a stage being told I'm the funniest person in the whole world by a couple thousand people. Right. Ha, ha, ha. And then my wife's like, you did not take out the trash. And she loves me more than they ever will. For sure. But you're right. Yeah. The dopamine, it is not. And you're, you just feel it, it's a different kind of loneliness. No doubt. Yeah. So, you know, I was off the road, uh, been off the road for like two or three months and, um, just constantly in my freaking phone. You know what I mean? Like my kids are like literally asking me questions upon questions. I'm literally just, I can't, I'm not even hearing them cause I'm just here. And so, yeah, it was like January 1st. It was like one of my like new year's, you know, resolution type things that I thought would last for like two weeks. Cause I've never really fully quit social media. Um, and then, yeah, January, man, I haven't, I haven't even seen an app since January. Um, so I hired a team. I mean, everything that we post is from me. It's just that I'm not physically on scrolling, looking at the comments, doing the stuff. Well, I got so. a message from you the other day. I sent you a bunch of Apple gift cards because you said I needed to send you that. <laughs> oh, so my gosh. You were like, I need Apple gift cards and Bitcoin. So I sent oh, you Oh, good. That. So you sent them to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. So Thank you, you should that. have that. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that wasn't you? <laughs> that was not oh, me. Oh, son of a gun. I got scammed <laughs> I again. It. Golly. Yeah. Uh, good self-awareness. I can think we all know. Yeah. I have a friend. You, you know him too. He's one of my best friends. I won't say his name here, but he locks his apps up. He has a... It's not Dirk's. But Dirks also does this. But he yeah. he he goes to a uh, flip phone mm-hmm. at different times 
during the month when he's starting to feel a yeah. little anxious. And then when he's not and he's on his mm-hmm. smartphone, there is an app. Oh, I don't care. Hey, get on it. It's, I, don't it's like know, I don't even know how to turn it's this Twitter, thing Twitter. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a Twitter's baby yelling monitor at you. notification. Don't forget <laughs> me. Um, he has an app that locks all of his social media up at like 5 p.m. Yeah. And you can't get off. You can't get on it unless you have the code. The only person that has his code is his manager. Gotcha. And so he See, has- See, I would like delete it off my phone every day I think and then that. just re-download it. I would do that and then just but then get on the internet on my computer. Yeah. And then do like the browser version. I'd be like, well, I'm kind of che- um, I, You know, I have a weird relationship with social media, yeah. but I think that self-awareness is like, that's extremely valuable that you found that. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go back? Probably. At some point in time, and I've quit, I've quit a couple of things this year that, I mean, I quit nicotine this year, which I have, I love nicotine so much. Never had it. What's good about it? Get me started. Like sell me on it. I don't know. I mean, I, I started dipping when I was like, you know, 18 years old, Grizzly Wintergreen. And then when I turned like 28, I started using this stuff called Zen. Is that in the packs? Or? Yeah. It's like, it's like just nicotine and mint. And like, it kind of just became, I'm trying to quit things that are crutches for me. You know what I'm saying? Like social media was a crutch. It was the place where I went, where I needed validation. But then it was the place that I hated when it didn't validate me. You know what I'm saying? Polar. And so nicotine was kind of like that that crutch for me. It was just like when I felt nervous, nicotine. When I felt weird, nicotine. When I felt happy, nicotine. It was like always just a thing. And so, I mean, I haven't been off of it that long, but it's been been three weeks, which is the longest I've ever gone. So... I think I'm going to start after that. In so. the in the year of quitting nervous, things, that's, that's a long time. So, uh, so if you're not dipping, this is going to be a dumb question because I never did. What have I supplemented it with? No, and that's a different thing because I have an addiction. Per- I have a yeah, big addictive same, personality. Same. Um, but what's so bad about just nicotine? If a lot of the stuff that's in cigarettes or a lot of the cancer, because just nicotine itself, is, correct. So what's so? There's bad? actually like a couple of. Good benefits of nicotine, apparently, from podcasts I've listened to. I don't know how much but, this is right. Fact, and I'm not saying kids should you shouldn't dip. Correct. You shouldn't smoke. And <laughs> I'm not talking about all the other things inside of it. Yeah. But I'm just curious because caffeine and nicotine. I if just alone. Yeah. What the heck's the difference, really? Yeah. I don't feel like either one of them are giving you. They can do different things to your brain. So here's here's what I will say. So when I was using nicotine, my like resting heart rate would be like up in the mid seventies which is pretty high. The week I quit using Zen, my resting heart rate was like 49. It was that drastic. That's a, that's yeah, significant. That's a big jump. Yeah. Um, and so then you mix nicotine and caffeine. You're looking at like 80, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm young and I'm you probably work out, dude, just have some nicotine and caffeine and chill. That's a day. Yeah, your exactly. Heart, exactly. You did your cardio. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I think it was just, it was one of those, it was such a comfort blanket. You know what I'm saying? It, like it got to the point where it's like, if I would like, if I didn't have a can, I would go rummage through all my old camouflage from duck hunting season just to see if there was a freaking can. It felt like, I felt like a drug addict in a way. Did you, well, that, and that's an addiction trait. Yeah. Did you go through withdrawals at all? Not as much as I thought I would. Cause everybody told me they're like, man, you just need to kind of switch to a different, like, cause there's three milligram, six milligram, all these things. And so I'm not one of those people that can just kind of tailor off of things. I can't no, I can't. Like if either. you said, Hey, only get on Instagram one day a week, I'd be like, that's never going to work for I me. I don't do moderation either. Me either. So I went freaking cold Turkey. And for like, you know, five days, it really sucked because you kind of start to after coffee. Oh, this is a good time. After a meal, this is a fun time. Oh, during golf, this is a great time. And then you start to kind of figure out that it's every part of your day where you wanted one. 
And so I'm, I think I'm okay now. Like there's definitely mul- some times where I'm like, man, I would love to like have a Zen right now, but just not the, just trying to get in the habit of telling myself no this year. So, and I, the addiction part to me, I come from a family of addicts and it's why I don't, I can't, I've never had a drink because yeah. I know that I'll love it. I sure. wish, oh man, I'd love to just yeah. freaking go crazy. I'd love to do heroin. I'd love to do it all, <laughs> right. but I know I can't do any of it because yeah. with that, we talk about the awareness. It's like you not on social media right now. I have hopefully the awareness of, I can't because I know what I, but I have to put other things in that place. Yeah. It's either, it's going to be work. Yeah. It's going to be golf. Right. It's, there's going to be an addiction of some sort. My goal is to have a healthier addiction because I know there's going to be something there. For sure. So what, what are you doing? What, what's the, what are you doing now to fill that time and golf. to fill that need? It is. Yeah, dude. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like you and I are very similar um, because I'm, I'm a pretty phasey person. I don't know if you are, but like every couple of years, there's something new that I feel like I have to master. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember five years ago, it was like fly fishing. Like I'm one of those people that will, I will go get all the best gear. I will follow all the fly fishing accounts. <laughs> I will buy the book hundred places of fly fish before you die and try to hit all of them. And then it's like, once I get to a point where I feel like I've done a good enough job, it kind of just gets pushed to the side. Does that make sense? I did it with poker. Yeah, I did. I mean, we, we could walk down this together, we, but yes, exactly like I, I, I love to get to a point where I've mastered enough for my brain to be satisfied that, Hey, I conquered that. And for me, let's move on and let's do something else. It's good that you can even say that your brain gets somewhat satisfied with stuff because I think my brain, instead of being satisfied, it goes, I'm not satisfied at, at sucking at something else now. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I just have the capacity to be sad. I think you're a bit healthier than I am in that way. I've been in a lot of therapy, right? right. So it's like, I don't have the satisfaction. I can't, I don't do that well. What I do is I'll go, okay, I got really good at freaking playing poker and I'm still enjoying it, but I need to find something else that I I suck at and like build and grow. I need to grow all the time to prove to myself I'm not a freaking loser. Yeah. You know, that that's always, that's yeah. Do you, have, sure. do you feel that way with music at all? Where it's like, I have got to take a step in a, I got to do, I got to grow in some way. Yeah. Or is it I've grown or is it I've just changed who I am and I'm just going to make music based on the person that I am now. Like, do you ever learn a new instrument at this point? I mean, do you ever pick up, <laughs> you ever try to sing a new way? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Like a vocal lesson even. Not Bro, you, I, but yeah. Just, I started, I started doing vocal lessons four four or five years ago and my voice is more powerful today and and I can hit different notes than I could five years ago. Because you went and learned something that you were already doing at a high level. Correct. That's crazy to think about. Like, it is wild. You're already doing it at a level higher than 99 point and do all the nines percent of the entire population of the yeah. world. Yet you go, I'm going to go and learn it more. Yeah. That's a, a bit psychotic even yeah. in a great way. I do that. I do it mostly with, with our show, with our show. Right. Like I, it's really hard for me to play the same show year after year. Live show. You're talking live show. Got it. And so even if it's to a point where someone might get a little bit frustrated that die happy man just doesn't feel like the record. I feel like I owe it to a fan base to at least let them know that I put a boatload of thought into the show. 
into the set list, into the production, into even the way that I speak, in the way that in the in the stories that I decide to share with the crowd. Like I don't want anybody showing up to Indianapolis for the third time to see me and be like, "This is the same show I saw last year." You know what I'm saying? But it does get challenging because my band and I talk about this all the time, right? Like that was one thing about Taylor's show. Like Taylor does have a lot of hits, but she played a lot of songs that were not hits. And that takes serious courage to me because, dude, I walk out there. We have like two songs in our 95 minute show that weren't hits. And and every single night, my heart starts to race before I play them because I go, does anyone care about this song that I loved on record two? Like, is this wasting the crowd's time? Do you start to look at them and see who's walking out? Or who's getting a beer? Or oh, yeah. At their, and even though it's probably the same amount of exact amount of people that when you're doing one of your hits, you're just noticing. You just notice it different. You just then, because for sure. you're purposefully going, let me find people that don't like me. It's like social media. Yeah. That, that is a, I used to have a real, I used to have a very unhealthy relationship with crowd because it's easy for me to look in the crowd and know who is, who really wanted to come for me. Like I say it in our show every night. I'm like, hey, to all the dudes that came tonight because their girlfriends or their wives begged them to be here, I just want to say thank you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to make sure that they feel known and seen, and I know that they are here against their will. But my goal is for them to leave being like, that was actually really fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's all I, that's all I want is for people to walk away with a smile on their face and joy in their heart. That's our main mission statement before we take the stage is put smiles on people's faces. But, dude, I used to – Five years ago, man, I remember my wife looked at me after a show and she's like, you feel better about yourself? Because uh, I used to find the one dude in every crowd that just hated life. You know what I'm saying? And I would call him out. You know what I mean? Like I, I would I would like get my guitar and I'd be like, hey, dude, you want to you should come up here and sing with me. And, I, and I'd get him up on stage and I'd be like, you look like you really love country music. He's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, man, let's let's sing some classics together. You know what I mean? And this, this sounds horrible because it is horrible, but I, I would, I would go play like an old Merle Haggard song and I'd be like, memories and drinks don't mix too well. And I'd hand him the microphone and he wouldn't know the words. And it made me feel so good that I knew more classic country than that dude did. You know what I'm saying? Because my show is very, very pop and, and centric and pop country and all the I things. And say what you're probably going, oh, he thinks I'm too pop, so I'm going to show him how absolute country I am exactly. show him he's not as country as I am. Exactly. Yeah, I felt And that. so I remember walking off stage, dude, just feeling like the biggest turd. You know what I'm saying? And my wife looked at me after the show, and she was like, do you feel better about yourself? And I said, absolutely not. She was saying it in that way, in the yeah. way, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like I, I've grown so much in the last five years. Now I just kind of I just kind of take it for what it is, and, and I know the people that love coming to my shows. I know the people that – would rather not be there and rather be somewhere else. But I, I just try to make it entertaining and fun for, for everybody, man. So I, th- I think that if you have any, I, like I, I'm a neurotic about that thing. I, I and I feel like I, I posted a video today of my, cause we're, I'm, I'm touring this comedy show. Now we're going to do a special. And so I'm a little nervous about what goes where. And I posted a video today with a guy and he was like, I didn't really want to come. My wife dragged me here. Yeah. But I didn't know that until we were doing this thing on stage together. Right. And so that I would always see the people that didn't want to be there and go, I'm, I'm going to impress them. For sure. Which wasn't healthy because I should just do what I do because obviously people came to see me do what I do, not yeah. stretch myself in ways that may be uncomfortable and not good for the show. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the Bobbycast. I was talking with um, Kip Moore, who was doing a theater show. Yeah. We were talking. We were talking about that specifically like people in the crowd and i told kip i said hey i just stare at foreheads now mm. because i don't i'm too insecure to look at faces and yeah. smiles and eyes right <laughs> I, I look at foreheads and once i talked to a guy after a show who was just mean mugging the whole time mm. just like you know you know we've seen him he's just not having a good time yeah and i only talked to him because he came up because i was signing a bunch of stuff and he came up and this is the same dude who was mean mugging he was like that was so much fun. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I said, you were sitting so close. You never smiled. He was like, no, that's just how I sit. I'm just not, out- so, yeah. I'm just not an outward laugher. Bro. So that's, and I feel like hopefully we've come to the same conclusion is like people show that they're pumped in very different ways. We put our expectations yeah. of how we would act on them to exactly. act that way toward us. Right. Like if I go to a Bruno Mars concert, I'm freaking right. going to town. Like I'm dancing, I'm jumping. And I expect people that if they're having a good time, do the same thing. But this is not how it works. And I think for so long, I I was kind of like, man, like, loosen up. 
You know what I mean? Like I remember there was a dude on the front row one time uh, in a, and I, I remember I was wearing this hat that said Matthews on the back and it was, it's the type of compound bow that I shoot. And he was wearing a hat with the same exact logo on it. And um, dude, it was like song seven and the, the lights went dark and I literally, I told the band just to hold up and I went down on the subwoofer and I looked at that guy and I said, are you okay? There's like 10,000 people in the room. I said, are you all right? I said, because you look like you're having the worst time in your life. And he goes, bro, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was just telling my wife about how me and you probably shoot the same bow. And I was like, I was like, great. And I high fived him and we started the thing. And, and it was at that moment where I was like, man, people just show their fun in a different way. And it started to happen a lot when we started traveling internationally. I don't know if you've oh, ever seen that, that. I bet that culture, I bet just all different cultures do it all different Dude, ways. it's like Western Canada is different than East Coast Canada. You know what I'm saying? The Northeast of the USA is different than the Southeast of the USA. London shows their appreciation super different than Glasgow or Belfast. You know what I'm saying? And so you kind of start to get this cultural little thing where you go, okay, we're in this part of the world and we understand that they just kind of clap here. You know what I'm saying? Like we were in Texas this weekend and there's a lot of people that were pretty rowdy in Texas, but a lot of people like to sit in Texas. That doesn't mean they're having a bad time. It just means that that's how they watch concerts. And so at, you, at some point you kind of got to be like, hey, we're going to do what we, 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 we do best regardless of what is happening out there. You know what I'm saying? It's It was a hard place for me to get to. Just go, I just got to do me regardless of for sure what they're doing because I was being so selfish thinking that they didn't give me what I would give in this same situation yeah. that they're wrong and they must hate me. But that's only because I think that what I do is the right way to act yeah. when you feel good. And so I needed that lesson and well, I took, yeah, and, and I even, learned And one. even with like ticket sales and stuff, like you, you talking about being selfish with the crowd. It's like, it's, it's always amazed me how you could do a, a three night run and all three towns are within, let's say 500 miles of each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you, you sell out the Thursday night and you sell out the Saturday night, but the Friday night was the worst selling show of the weekend. And you sit there and you go, what is it about this town that's right in the dead center of two sellouts? But on this one in particular, we had to close this section and close that section to make sure that we put the people in there that needed to be in there. And you kind of go, ah, well, you know, we walk on stage and you're like, no, that doesn't not give you a pass to go put on a less awesome I know, show. I struggle, I struggle. But you walk out there and you go, well, there's only like, it's not sold out. So like, I'm just going to give like 70% of myself. But that is the most selfish thing in the world you could ever do to the people that did show up because they they wanted to be there. You know what I'm saying? You're, I mean, you're talking out of my brain because yeah. I feel I, I am, I feel like I'm a loser. Right. And I didn't sell out and I focus only on the empty seats. Correct. And I think I've gotten better, but only because I was so selfish and, and such a loser about it for so long. Yeah. And my wife, my wife has been a great oh, source dude. of slapping me straight a lot of times. Dang right. Because no one ever slapped me, much less slapped me straight. Right. Because once you get to a point, it's not like we have a lot of people around us that are just like, yeah. no, no, no. We have to, we have to, at a certain point, start to find the people we trust. For sure. That can give us a bit of pushback when That's we right. need it. That's right. And it doesn't feel good. And yeah. it's, and it is so counterintuitive to pursue something that doesn't feel good yeah so but my wife would go hey uh you know 
the people here that have filled up like 85% of this theater, they're not looking around going, I wonder how many empty seats there are. Correct. Wow, he really, he must just not be <laughs> as good as he, he goes, they spent the same amount of money that each single person. I know it, man. And, we, I, and she's right. Yeah. My wife does the same thing, dude. Like I, I've, I've called her for 10 years. Hey, it's not sold out tonight. She said, honey, how many times have you told me this? You know what I'm saying? Just get out there and do what you do best because the people that bought a ticket came to see you. And they don't know. They so don't. go give them a great show. Yeah. Like we played, um, we were in Chicago last weekend and uh, sold out the United Center. That's that's always been a dream of mine to sell that place out, Jordan's house. And uh, there was, um, we had a lot of people hanging after the show and this one girl said, I'm so glad you played at the United Center because it's so much bigger than Wrigley. And I was like, no, it's not. Wrigley is triple the size of this place. But when you start to like really see like how people judge, right. people think that arenas are stadiums and right. amphitheaters are smaller than arenas. And all. it's just like we, we know because we see the piece of paper. It's granular to us. That looks at yeah. the freaking ticket master chart and goes, okay, there's 1,500 open seats. And there's a percentage of this. Right. Oh. Nobody, <laughs> nobody right. knows. Well, they do now, but, but nobody knows or cares. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines. Plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines. All on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like, imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. 
regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. I always have a guilt to to the oh, this is so stupid. I've never even said this before. I have a guilt to the promoter, even at times. Dude, same. Where I where I'm like, hey, I feel bad. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. I I've never said that out loud before, but I yeah. have a if a show does not do what my expectation was, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm 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 really sorry about this. Yeah, dude, and and that's where like comparison. Probably the biggest reason I got off Instagram, like I, I, I love everybody in this genre. It is, it is nothing but love. But when you watch other people do something better than you, you watch somebody do three nights in an arena and you barely sold out the first one, you kind of go, what do we do wrong? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do I got to do to sell out two nights at this place? It just may not ever be in the cards for you. You know and, what I'm saying? And also the three nights that they did at the arena, we're only seeing the shots of all the full parts. Correct. Correct. But but you know what I'm saying. It's like. For sure. For sure. Th- th- I feel like there's a new record broken yes. every day. Oh, with everything. With everything. With streams on a Friday from a new artist <laughs> or a record that's been number one. It's, yes. There, there's And the emails we get from our pub- our publicists yeah. and, and all these things. And it's just like, man, I must just be. Are we, are we doing okay? Well, it's a you know fight to differentiate too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like sure. everybody is finding their way to show that they do what we're talking about that Correct. they deserve to be here. Correct. And Correct. we're all extremely insecure. Correct. Or wouldn't even be doing this. Correct. Like, why are we trying to find love from create creating something, right. you yeah. know? And yeah, it is a, it is a constant. The last thing I, about this that I'll mention is just to ask if you do it, cause this just makes me feel not so crazy, honestly, yeah. before a tour, like this last tour, I did like seven shows just here last year. Yeah. And then, I was like, you know, I'm going to take this show on the road. And so, I, tour's about to go on. And I already look at tickets like crazy. I'm, again, so neurotic. But before they go on sale, I go, man, if this one, this could be the one where it just kind of all doesn't go right anymore and I yeah. might have regressed. And that's, and I start to get my feelings hurt before it's even time, it, before there's any, even any data. Bro, we are the same human being. It's just like, maybe <laughs> this, this, is, this might be when I have to end. And Caitlin will come and go, the tickets aren't even on sale yet. Right. Why are you already down? And yeah. I'm like, because I probably, I'm, people aren't going to buy as many this time. Yeah. And so I get my, I spiral when there's no, there's no need to even start spiraling. For sure. Do you do that? Uh, yeah. You do? I mean, bro, like, yeah, even before this tour like the day that this tour went on sale, the first thing I want to do is call my manager and be like, Hey, where are the spots we need to work on? I, I'm not focused on the fact that we, that we blew six out the first day that went on sale. You know what I'm saying? Like sell, we sold out Minneapolis, like within 30 minutes, the day that they went on sale. But I sit there and I go, what's wrong? What's wrong with that one? And, um, you know, how, how can I, how can I, do we have any time for me to go up there and do like a bunch of interviews, you know, before so that pe- more people know about it. And at the end of the day, dude, it's like people are coming or they're not, you know what I'm saying? And at some point you got to trust your team. I'm telling this to myself, you got to trust live nation and you got to trust your managers that they go, Hey, we haven't even done our big push yet. Not a lot of marketing has gone into this. And you also have to know that Instagram now, if you want people to see your stuff, you got to pay Instagram a thousand bucks or whatever it is. And 
So you got to be mindful of like how much marketing money are we spending to make sure that all of my whatever 5 million followers are seeing this and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I never focus on the good stuff. It is one of the things that I'm trying to do so much more this year of just being like, man, we just sold this freaking place out and it was awesome. Instead of just being like, yeah, I know we sold that one out, but you know, next weekend we got Charlottesville, Virginia and there's only, you know, we've only sold like 4,000 tickets. And so, you know, I think we're just like looking for someone to tell us that it's going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? At least for me, I complain about my voice Monday through Saturday. I'm like, it ain't going to work tonight, man. It ain't going to work. Do you feel... And I'm looking for somebody to be like, TR, this is the yeah. seventh millionth time you said your voice isn't going to work and you get out there and you kill it. I'm just looking for that. Are you weird about getting sick? Do what? Are you weird about getting sick? Like, ah, I might be getting sick like a couple days before. Does that? No, be- I just know my body and I know that I'm always 100% on Thursday nights, 90% on Friday nights, and it's lucky if I'm 75 on Saturday night. It's just how my voice works. And so then you start to go, well, I'm 33 years old. Maybe it's just not working like it did when I was 25 or whatever. And it's like, no, dude, your voice is fine. You just got to get this to be better. You know what I mean? And then you hear Ronnie Dunn saying still at 70. I know. And you're like, you know, he took care of his voice. It doesn't really matter. And God dang. I know. What do you do that's fun then? What do I do that's fun? Yeah. What's fun? Just what's, what comes to your mind when I say what's fun? Golf? Golf is really fun. But yeah. I, but I even make golf not. I was fun. about to say, are you like me? Where you? It's interesting that you ask me what's fun because it's hard for me to think of anything that's fun. I don't even, yeah, same. Do we suck? I don't even like. I don't. <laughs> everyone's like, where do you like to go on vacation, or what do you like to do for fun? And I, I don't know. Right. And I love golf until, but then I, if it doesn't go exactly right. Or it doesn't go in a way. Then I, I hate it. I'm miserable. Dude, it makes me miserable. I haven't. Play, I didn't play golf for like three years, mainly because I have so many kids and it's it's impossible to like get out and go do it. But this year, a buddy of mine invited me to play in this tournament in September. And I was like, well, what's the tournament? He told me about this stuff. And he was like, yeah, but you have to be a single digit handicap to, to, to play in it. And I was like, okay. Like I'm like a 14 or 15 maybe. I mean, if I, if I like really work at it, I can probably get down to a nine. And now here it is in August, and I've done nothing but grind, grind, grind. And I've played probably 20 rounds of golf, and I've entered them all in my freaking gin handicap system. And I shot an 88 at winged foot, which is one of the hardest courses in New York. And it only it only took my handicap down by 0.1, and I'm sitting there going, this sucks. Like, golf is supposed to be a blast <laughs> with your friends. And if I shank one in the woods, I'm the worst person to be around because I'm sitting there going, that lesson I took last week, it worked last week, but it ain't working this week. Do you get in your head pre? Pre. So much so that it affects post? Correct. And so like this tournament is like literally happening in three weeks. And it's like I'm playing with a bunch of people that are sick golfers, like pros and athletes and people that are plus twos and plus threes. And and I'm just sitting here nervous out of my mind because I'm like, if I get paired with somebody that's a two and they're looking at me as a nine that goes, hey, man, I know that you're not going to help us out a lot. But I need you to birdie like three or four holes. That's all I'm going to think about. Of like, am I going to help my team? And if I don't. You've, you've pre-spiraled. Again, you pre-spiral. just, you, you just did what yeah. I just – there's no reason for you to do that yet. And there is a reason to spiral at times. For sure. Because that's a defense mechanism. And some, But again, you're spiraling. And I say this out of 
love and understanding, you're spiraling when you don't need to freaking spiral because it's not even time to spiral yet. Correct. It might be time to spiral eventually. Correct. But that's <laughs> but you pre-spiraling is actually going to lead you to spiraling that's quicker. Right. That's right. But I have to have these conversations too that's like, okay, this is not good for me to go crazy right now because it's actually going to make me less effective Correct. later. Yeah. It's like I have to have a dialogue with myself, which is actually a monologue, but I'm so crazy. It feels like two people talking to each yeah. other. My brother-in-law is my photographer on the road. And last weekend, he looked at me because it was like the fifth Saturday in a row that I was like, dude, I, can, I don't know if I can do it, man. You know, and he was like, TR, I feel like you create a black hole and then you just step into it. And like that rocked me, like coming from like my brother-in-law, who's like one of my best buds in the world. He's like, dude, if there is something that hasn't even gone wrong, you will create something that will go wrong and you will latch onto that for the rest of the day. It is my biggest fault as a, as a human. And probably, you know, more than likely the, the biggest reason that me and Lauren ever get into arguments is like Christmas or Thanksgiving or a trip to Disney world. I'm sitting there going Disney world. So like, you know, are we going to, the kids going to take naps during the day or like, are we just going to kind of crush through or like, are we trying to do four parks? Are we doing three? And she's like, will you just, can we just go and do Disney and have fun as a family? I'm like, yeah, but I kind of need to know like when I'm going to need to stress out but here's like, the during the day. <laughs> here, here's the beauty though. That same, we're going to come back to this, that same yeah. thing that drives us crazy is also what drives us into really positive places. Sure. What allows us to have success, but to also use that success to things that we talked about at the beginning of this interview yeah. that allows us to make small changes in our little pockets of the world that we feel. So as much as we're trying to improve that part of us, we have to also be thankful. I, we, I, I'll just say me, you can, but I think it, it that those same traits allow us to succeed in the places no as doubt. well. We just don't focus on them because we don't focus on the good things, For sure. which is exactly what we're talking about right. here. But yeah, it is. I, I don't think I realized that we were this much alike. I've known you for a long time. I just think it's a, it is a yes. And we're, it's just anybody creating. Yeah. It's so vulnerable all the time. Yet yeah. You don't want to act vulnerable, especially if you have some success. Cause you're like, why would I be, I'm, I'm killing it. Let's rock and roll. Let's go. For I'm sure. the, but really, you're just as insecure as you ever were. Yeah. Maybe even more so. Maybe more so. I used to think people would be like, when, when were you at your happy, happiest? And now, the same with you. In my career, I'm in the audio part, radio podcasting, like I'm, I'm killing it. Mm -hmm. I'm just killing, killing it. It's the best. I'm making so much money. Yeah. I get to do whatever I want. And they're like, is this the happiest? And I'm like, you know, I'm happiest because I have a great wife. But I think I was like, healthier happier when i was the beginning of the struggle same the Be happiest time of my career was when i had nothing to lose that's i i would album one yeah you kind of just get to do whatever you feel like you want to do there's you don't you ain't got any fans anyway so you ain't got any fans to lose there's nobody to disappoint nobody to disappoint you just get to come on fresh and that's you know? so unhealthy of us yeah because we're at such great places in our lives for sure right Yet for sure, and so many people are fans of our work. And I just, I'm like, you know, I was the happiest when I was playing King Griffey Jr. Could barely afford a PS2, Sorry. and would would struggle to get to work with gas money. But I was like, there was all everything was in front of me. You're joyful in the grind, yeah. You know, and I should be, and I'm getting better at it at this version. Yeah. Getting better only because I'm aware. For like sure, awareness is the first step to to all of that. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like I just I should owe you I should pay you some money here for like this, <laughs> I feel like I should the pay therapy you as well. session here. <laughs> what uh what, what kind of clubs do you play? Do you even uh, want to titleist? You don't have to. Do you play yeah, you have a deal with them? 
Um, I've met a few of their reps and they've always taken care of me pretty That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. But I think I'm hitting way too aggressive. Like I've hit blades. I'm hitting blades like the T100s. Mm -hmm. I could probably spare to hit the T300s at this point. So Because you think <laughs> you're not precise enough in your aggression? Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, I've, I have gotten a lot better. I have gotten down to a single. I've, well, I've gotten down to a 10, which is not a single, but that's more than I thought I was going to be able to get down to. Um, I'm so unpredictable off the tee with my is, driver. Is that your weakest area? Probably my weakest area, yeah. I'm my short game in putting, putting is, is not bad, and I can get onto a green, but if I, like – am constantly hitting from the woods or having to drop off my tee shot. You just can't score. It's over. Yeah, can't it's score. Over. I'm a 12. Yeah. And I really haven't got to play a lot consistently. Last couple of weeks of flex, I'm going to go play this tournament. Yeah. And I just feel like I just got to get the reps in yeah. to at least feel confident For up sure. there. Cause you know, confidence is such a big part of it. Yeah. But then you walk out there and you're, you know, you're not, you're no longer in the cave, like hitting yeah. the track no simulator. in front of like a thousand people. <laughs> Nerves. Get in golf. I get in golf. I, when we, I played Pebble Beach last year and Jim Nance is calling. I hear him calling me, calling my shot as I'm up there and I'm hitting yeah. and there are people everywhere and I'm freak. I'm so freaking tight. Did you shank it or did you drill oh, it? No, I drilled it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. It's like eight feet. That I wasn't the thrive under pressure. Yeah. No, yeah. not always. My point is I get so nervous yeah. doing that. Yeah. Although, what do you mean to do? Live TV, five million people watching. I don't really get nervous. Dude, I'm prepared. Same. I'm prepared. I've been training forever. Radio, 5 million people in the morning. I know. Live, no problem. Maybe do comedy, 2,000, 3,000 people live. I'm putting jokes out there. Maybe yeah. I'll laugh. All good. Yeah. I've, I've been through it. I've been through it good and bad. I know the worst and the best it can be. Yeah. You put me on a freaking tee. If I'm just playing through and there's four people watching me. Bro, it's, I think it's because we feel like in a way we have mastered our craft and we're confident to do it in front of anybody in the world. We have not mastered the craft of golf. We have not. So you step up there like, and you kind of just go, you know, this, this app tells you that I have shot a couple of 82s in my life, but what you are about to witness could be a head injury from someone that I'm about to snipe right off the left side of the I hit somebody box. in the face with a ball. Like <laughs> him in the head. We're not prepared for that. Yeah. I hit him you in know? the head. I thought I hit it on the green, but hit their head and bounced to the green. It was terrible. You hit them on the head. Yeah, I mean, they. they hit, it, I was at Pebble, and she's standing by the green, and it went up, and I thought it hit a rock and rolled on the green. It hit her right in the face. Yeah, it hit a girl in the face. Wow. Yeah, it sucked. It was awesome at first because I was jumping around, giving her a high five, and someone came over and went, "Hey, you so hit you landed on the face. green because it hit her face first. It hit her face and ricocheted to the green. <laughs> I mean, it's on. Yeah, that's amazing. No, it isn't. I it's mean, and terrible, terrible, and, and terrible, like amazing, yeah, and terrible. What's up with the vinyl? So you have so many freaking number ones now. You just were doing it big so young. And that when I read, you have 20 number one. Do you have 20 number ones? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's bizarre. It is weird, man. It's bizarre. So you have, I mean, it's like you should be 55. I know, dude. And and like it was kind of a big conversation because I think there was a lot like the label really wanted to call this uh, greatest hits. I just felt like being a 33-year-old coming out with the greatest hits just looked wrong. You know what I'm saying? So this is more of a celebration of 20 number ones vinyl because I do love vinyl and I think that vinyl is really cool for a lot of people these days. It's kind of coming back in style and kind of a collector's item. Um, and I feel like my fans have always really loved like kind of limited run merchandise or hats. And like, this is like super limited run and um, just seemed like a cool way to kind of say thanks to everybody, you know? Um, but yeah, 20 number one celebration is more of the thing. Yeah.
I mean, Eddie and I talk about this, but when I was considering moving here, I was living in Austin and we were together somewhere and I had my, I've had my phases and seasons of country music growing up age zero through 13. It's all it was. My grandma on classic country on the radio 13. Then I got really into alternative and hip hop music. So, but there was a whole like early 2000s version of country that I just wasn't here in, just wasn't involved in it. I yeah. was working on pop radio, yeah. listening to hip hop and rock. And they, we were talking about me coming here and I was only going to move if it was going to be like the first real national. It was just a lot of contract yeah. stuff. I said, let me listen to country music, put it on, flip it on. First song was Beer with Jesus. The Eddie, Eddie and I were together. Yeah. And I was like, I'm thinking about going over there. Let's, and it's you. I can have it. That just feels like a hundred years ago and yesterday at the same time. I know. I was, that your, exactly was that your, was that your top, one of your first few songs, singles? It's my second single. Yeah. I mean, it feels like yesterday, but it also, again, it's like 10 million years ago because yeah. it's just been through a lot. All of us have, yeah. man. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's insane, man. Like, I can, me and the band laugh about it a lot, but I remember being just a new artist being like, man, what would it be like to have one hit like in our set so that we didn't have to rely on singing freaking friends in low places twice. You know what I'm saying? Like how awesome would it be to have one hit in your show? And then you get one and you're like, oh, this is amazing. But what if we had three, you know what I'm saying? We could start with a hit end with a hit and put one in the middle. middle. That'd be so fire. Then you get three and you're like, God, but five. And you know where I'm going with this, but it's like, now you're at 20, almost 20 number ones, 21 number ones. And you go, okay, we have enough now to fill up a 90 minute set of nothing but number one songs. And as amazing as that sounds, it really forces you to look at your set and now go, okay, of the 20 number ones, which ones were the game changers and which ones were the ones that we just kind of snuck in by a point? Does that make sense? It does. Because you play Die Happy Man and you play Slow Down Summer. Slow Down Summer was a hit, but Die Happy Man was a game changer. You play Marry Me up next to Remember You Young. Remember You Young was a hit and it was a great song, but Marry Me was a game changer. And so you kind of start to go through your career and you go, man, like hits are great things to keep your momentum kind of stacked. But like every now and then, man, you got to have a, a big boy. You know what I'm saying? And so that's kind of where I find myself as a 33-year-old man doing this now for 11 years, six albums deep. It can no longer be about, here's a collection of songs that I think are kind of fun. And there's for sure two radio singles on there. And this one's kind of weird enough to maybe stream 100 million times. It can't be that anymore. It's got to be like, yo, here's 11 songs that I think are so different for me I've never dodged in this territory. And even if they all suck, at least we took a, we swung for the fence. You know what I'm saying? Like what, what good is it doing me to just like sit down and write some just like generic country songs? Well, the only good would be the dopamine hit. You get up going, here's the number one party for, right. for Tom. I mean, but what does it do greater good for you? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's a, but it's a hard, it, it's hard because I will, I will write absolutely. some of those tunes and they will probably be on the, on, on a, on a record and you go, okay, like here's the couple that I think are like the big, the big ones. But if they both fail, I've got a couple that I think will work. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So. And you know, it's chasing the, the capital G good. 
and what makes you feel good. For sure. And it's, I've just, I've tried to make a lot more capital G good decisions. That's right. I don't always. Yeah. Because sometimes I still need to be told that I'm worth, I'm worth you know, sometimes I still <laughs> yeah. need to professionally be like, you're still, you're still the man. No doubt. You're still, you're still killing it. No doubt. Um, I got three final questions. Yeah. Uh, what's the boot, the Tacovas thing you're doing? Um, do you have any Tacovas? I don't wear You don't wear boots. boots. I wear boots, but not cowboy. I'm from Arkansas. Grew up with a bunch of cowboy boot people. Yeah. That's why I don't wear a cowboy hat or boots because I just feel like me, people are going to know because I've had some pretty lucrative boot offers yeah i just I, it's, it's not me yeah so i get it so i appreciate that because you're probably gonna send me like a hundred pair diamond studded but I'm, I'm gonna, gonna pass you, on those i'm gonna send you a pair you I'm don't gonna, have to wear them you I'm can just put them on a pass shelf pass on those so yeah so but but you wear boots yeah i wear boots every night on stage um and i've worn tacovas for i don't know the last five years and they've always been really cool about just kind of sending me boots whenever i needed a new pair and i literally when i was still on social media i just hit up the their instagram account and i was like hey i'm you know, be really cool if we did a collab together. And then the owner reached back out to me. He was like, man, we've never done a collab with anyone. So we should do this. And so we started this thing a year ago and we designed six boots, three men's and three women's, um, all named after people in my family. Uh, and they just came out last week and it's been a blast. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you like them. I love them. I was just in Austin and they've got like, that's where their flagship store is mm -hmm. and walked in and they had my whole display set up right in front of the thing. And it was really cool. All right, two questions left. Angels, yeah. you're single now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it about the sacrifices that Lauren, that your wife has for gi sure. given for you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. What is she? That's not. That's a love song, but it's not a "You're So Beautiful" love song. Yeah, I, that that's probably the most like unique love song I've released about her, just because most of my other ones are very. You're the most incredible thing. Like our our love story is butterflies and rainbows all the time, and and angels is definitely one of those ones where it's like man, you've given up a lot, you know, to allow me to like do what I do for a living. And you've given up a lot of, uh, of your passion for a long time to follow me on the road and do this thing and support me. Um, and more of just like an apology and a, and a thank you in a way. And so this song, Mike, like I've been playing it live, you know, a lot this year and just watching grown men, like sobbing <laughs> in these buildings, like hugging the person that they're with has right. been, been pretty powerful. So something that I saw that I've been meaning to tell you about was I, I saw the video of Lauren. I, maybe it was not knowing the names of your albums. Oh yeah. And I just was like, I showed it to my wife and I was like, this is us because she doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> right. She doesn't hate. She just, for she, sure. She lives the show. She lives it. She hears me saying all this crap at home. Yeah. Saying she knows when I'm also on the air for emphasis. I'm like, turn it stories up a little bit here and there. And, yeah. Um, even like book, she doesn't know any, and I'm like, this is us. And she goes, well, you know what? Lauren probably lives with all of this, of Thomas Rhett stuff yeah. all the time that she doesn't have to go and check out an album because she lives it every single day of her for life. For sure. She's already heard the demo 70,000 times. All of it. Yeah. yeah and, for she's, sure. and she's heard me work out a joke 22 times right. where I just try to bring it up in conversation. She's like, I know you're testing material on me. Yeah. I know you're testing material. No, but maybe I just really, she goes, that's a, you're working a joke on me yeah. right now. And so that actually, my final question isn't a question, but except like, I felt that. Come on. Cause I've, I watched it and I showed my wife and she was like, yeah. And, and what she said about Lauren, which was, I felt that yeah. to her. And when that video became like such a thing, I mean, every interview I did for the next two weeks was about that video. And, uh, and Lauren looked at me and she was like, do you feel like that makes me look like I don't care? And I was like, no, like, because I know that you care. You know what I'm saying? I just think there's a lot going on in our lives. You know what I'm saying? Like we have four children under the age of eight. Like we got a plan 
we got to plan a night a, w- a week in advance for us to just talk about what happened this week. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many things that maybe like she talked to her mom about, or I talked to a buddy about that gets brought up and it's like, we never told me about that. And you're kind of like, you know, well, we haven't had a moment. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we are in the freaking weeds. It's like we go, they, they all four of my kids came on the road this weekend and including a bunch of our family and like a bunch of my family got back from the road and they were just like, I'm so worn out. And I'm like, I know. And you didn't even play shows. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it's like me and Lauren are kind of at that stage where it's like, I kind of go on the road and I do my thing and she stays here and she does her thing. And we come back and we try to collaborate the best that we can until we can find one night to just hash it all out. Talk about what happened with the kids, talk about what happened at work. And then we're, then we're set straight again for like the next week. But it's like, it's just challenging, bro. Yeah. Well, so look, I know we don't see each other as much as sometimes we'd like to, but that's the nature of this That's whole right. place. But I love you. Love you too, buddy. You know, uh, when it comes to like solid dudes, like you're as real as they come. And congratulations on the vinyl and Thanks, life and being good looking and being able to Likewise. sing and just, you know, <laughs> great calves. I could, we could do this all day, but I'm going to wrap it up. All right, Thomas Wright, everybody. I appreciate you, bud. This has been a Bobby Cast production. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.